Welcome to the Bike Life Podcast by Warm Showers Foundation, where we will be sharing knowledge, experience, tools, and stories of touring cyclists and hosts from around the world. I'm Tauber Lee, the woman behind the scenes at Warm Showers Foundation, the leading platform for cyclists looking for hosts and to connect with a passionate international community. Find out more by visiting us at warmshowers.org. Now on to the show. Attracting attention, racing, camping, cycling with two little girls, being exposed to the good and the not so good. Today's guest has experienced it all. Melissa Pritchard, thank you. Thank you for joining us. And where shall we start today? Well, I think, Taverly, um, I was listening to, I listened to your podcast and I was listening to the episode of Murdoch, who um, is one of your, yeah, he's a high hit um, warm showers host in, on the California coast. And there was a call you did, Melissa, if you're listening here, we'd love mm-hmm. to have you on this show because he was going through how he became a warm shower host. So I am that Melissa from that show. Isn't that so amazing? I'm going to link that show in the comments, but that to me is just like so many good feelings to see us come full circle to where we are. So, okay. So tell us a little bit about kind of the beginning of your journey because you've experienced so much and I feel like we could talk for hours. Alas, mm-hmm. we we cannot, but starting where, where do you think is a good place for us to get into it past that? I mean, I, I want to, I want to hear I guess I want to hear where you started cycling, like before you, before you were traveling with kids, like before that part progressed. Okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm one of five um, kids in my family. So I credit my energy to being a multiple, having multiple siblings growing up in the outdoors. Literally, I don't ever have any memories from inside cycled a lot when I was young, but we were five. So my parents and we never did cycle trips, but I loved my bike and I always used my bike. However, it wasn't until I turned 30 and it was kind of like my birthday present to myself. I was living in Barcelona. I've lived abroad since I've been um, since I've been about 21 years old and I broke up with my boyfriend who told me oh you're just so distracted you should never road cycle so what did I do I went out and bought a bike on my 30th birthday and I started cycling and people must think of Barcelona for the really good parties for the day you know for the clubs the after hours here I was getting up at ungodly hours like six o'clock in the morning when everybody was stumbling home from the bars and I was meeting up with a cycling club and they, it became like a religion. We went out every Saturday, then every Sunday, and they introduced me to road cycling and road cycling in Spain is phenomenal. So I was hooked, but then I didn't want it. Then I got curious because I love to travel too. And I had seen people with these bags and looked fully loaded. And I thought, Hmm, I love to travel. I love to ride my bike. Why don't I give bike touring a try? So my first trip actually was back in the Pacific Northwest. I didn't use warm showers on that trip. I hadn't even, I have to admit, I didn't even camp before on my own with that trip. And I set off and my younger brothers made a bet, like, is she actually going to be able to do the Pacific Northwest tour? It's one of the bike routes on adventure or American cycling. 
route. I hadn't opened my tent, which was purchased in Spain. I hadn't even opened my sleeping mat or my sleeping bag, but I was determined. And I had actually literally called up a bike store in Eugene, Oregon and said, Hey, I want this bike, a Surly, right? Everybody gets a Surly. I wanted the cross check and I hopped on it, tried it at the store. And like the next day I was on the bus to go up to Portland and to start my trip. And I didn't even change out the saddle, which everybody knows Surly puts on like the world's worst saddle on their bike, knowing that everybody's going to change out to a Brooks. That's another story. But that's where I started out. And I did make it home on that trip. Although I got to tell you that first night when I um, arrived at my campsite, um, I woke, I went to dinner. I treated myself to a, a restaurant that night and I woke up in the middle of the night completely famished and freezing cold and got out every single um, item of clothing that I had packed in my bag and put it on. And the reason I was so hungry was because I was used to road cycling. So I think that first day I cycled about 150 kilometers thinking, mm. oh, this is what I know. This is what you do. And little by little, I learned from experience. Mm. That's where it all started. Wow, what a great trip, the first one. So one of your brothers lost the bet, apparently. Yeah, exactly, yes. <laughs> yeah, so that must have been a really eye-opening experience, like your first your first ride. Obviously, you're still cycling now, so there was a lot of joy in in the resiliency that you built, I'm sure. Yeah, and I was, I was hooked at that point, and I don't know where it exactly was that I learned about warm showers, because I don't think I did warm shower hosts then. It was a little bit later, probably when I was researching for their trips um, that I learned about warm showers. But then after that, of course, I did another short trip. I did a trip in Spain to see, hey, can I do this in Spain? Okay. Then as a teacher, I have the luxury of having a lot of holidays. So I um, planned my next bike tour. I was like, okay, can I do this in a foreign country that I don't know? Can I build my bike coming out of a box? So I kind of gave myself little challenges along the way. And so my next trip was Thailand, which is a pretty easy country to do on a bike just because there's food and cheap lodging everywhere and people speak English. So little by little, I kind of pushed myself out of my comfort zone um, until I kind of get this five-year itch in my life. Um, I don't know. We might have to break this habit just now that I have a family. But five years, this was my second five-year stinch in um, in um, Spain. And I'd already... Um, done, you know, bike, big grand fondos, a lot of bike racing, a lot of triathlons, ultra, um, ultra triathlons, ultra marathons. And I was itching for change just general in general, my life. I thought I had, I was living in the best place that existed in the world. And I thought I want to change something. What do I want to do? I applied for a couple jobs back in Oregon. And then I thought, well, why don't I take some time off to travel around the world? And um, that was in 2013. And there was kind of like this big economic crisis in 2013. So everybody was holding on to their job. But um, if you teach and you are willing to go anywhere in the world, like a lot of international teachers do, then there's kind of no fear of finding a job later because there's always a need for teachers around the world. And so I was using that knowing that I could probably get a job if I took a sabbatical and followed this dream or this challenge to cycle around the world on my own. Um, and so I, you know, I called it the long way home, spelling long, um, um, wrong on purpose using two O's, not very many people could figure it out, right? Like the long way home, but it was for the bike wheels. And, um, 
I challenged myself to cycle from Barcelona to Oregon, taking the long way, so heading east. And that is when I started using my warm showers on that trip. Mm. So you took the sabbatical. And yeah. so how long, How and did you get a job along the way? And how long was that trip? Yeah, so that trip... I think looking back in hindsight, I would have maybe wanted to organize it a bit differently because I I wanted to schedule it to be on my birthday when I arrived home. And I started in the summer because my years are always like compared to other maybe non-teachers, my years go from um, September to September for the teaching year, the academic year. So I started in the summer in June and I went all the way through the next summer up to my birthday in October. And the plan was to arrive in Oregon on my birthday. So looking back, I was like, man, why didn't I take three or four years? That trip was so much fun. But I also am someone who likes to pedal. Um, So I do do bigger days compared to other people. And um, I was really sad about actually leaving my job and thought I would miss teaching. So I invented this name for myself called the teacher on two wheels. I created a website. I had everything documented with a blog with activities for teachers. And I visited schools along the way and talked to kids a little bit about what I was doing. Not so much to be like this inspirational speaker, but to be, I mean, I wasn't the best student necessarily growing up. I struggled a lot in school, but to, and to kind of give that message to kids, like one of the reasons you're here is to like, you know, develop passions and interests and be inquisitive and be curious and, 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 and find out things, investigate. And so that's what I was doing because this was one of my passions was the cycle. And I wanted to see if I could cycle around the world, um, on my own. So I, I visited something like 26 different schools, I think, and mm-hmm. maybe 30 different countries. Um, the, the problem was international schools always tend to be in big cities and cyclists want to avoid big cities. So that was really like an oxymoron there with my trip. But um, <laughs> I did, I, I managed to hit, oh my gosh, every big city you can possibly imagine. Hong Kong, Hanoi, Ho Chi Minh, these huge cities that you think, oh, what are you doing here? And I was in the, in the midst of them. But but it was a phenomenal trip that just really, um, yeah, changed who I was. Um, my parents, you know, thought they were never going to survive the trip because what is their daughter doing cycling around the world mm-hmm. on her own? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, kind of, yeah, it was, um, it was a really wonderful experience, really wonderful experience. I can't even imagine how many lives you changed along the way with the students that you met and the teachers too. I'm sure that it, you know, the thing, if you think of the ripples that you left, not, not, not just with students, but with the teachers too, the ripples that you left along the way are forever out there. Right. And that actually goes for like the, the warm shower community as well. I mean, it leaves, I think that's one of the reasons why I really enjoyed, um, you know, being taken in. I didn't always, I got take, I got taken by so many people. You can't even imagine. I thought I was going to camp so much and a person, people would see a solo female cyclist and they like wouldn't have anything of it. It was almost like I had to take a, one of those hotel signs. It's like, you know, I want my privacy, please. And put it on on my bike. Cause everybody was always so curious. 
Um, and, you know, that's really interesting, too, because in developed, in undeveloped countries, people couldn't understand what I was doing by myself. They would ask me, they would hold up one finger, like one. I was like, yeah, it's just me. You don't see anybody else here right next to me. And I think they were wondering, like, what's you, a woman who should be married, who should have kids doing? Because then they would, you know, they would make the, are you married symbol? Do you have a baby? I'm like, no, 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 no. Um, but they would just go with the flow. And when I would be in more developed countries, it was like, what are you doing? And who are you doing this for? Like, is there a charity that you're raising money for? Mm -hmm. And not that you, not that, I mean, and I think that's great. A lot of people do it for really great causes for other people. But I, I said, you know, I think it's really challenging for some people to have a dream and to actually follow it. And like you said, how does that impact other people, right? Because just mm -hmm. in the daily conversations that you have with someone when you stop at a you know national park to see that or have a coffee at their little cafe or ask to use a toilet, it's like you said, it's that ripple effect that's just, and I've got these flash memories. If I go back down memory lane with the long way home, wow, I can really get on a good, a good ride with just the, the memories from that trip. Did anyone reach out to you along the way or find you along the way that you afterwards or even currently found out that it, they embarked on cycling because they saw what you were doing? Yeah. So, you know, I stayed with um, stayed with a couple of warm showers hosts who became warm shower hosts in New Zealand. And that was their way to learn and research before they actually set off. I thought that was actually really smart. And they had a guest book and you signed the guest book and you left the tip, right, for what's one thing that you would definitely don't need to take or what you would leave behind next time and you would share your expertise there. Um, in that interview you did with Murdoch, he was a force fighter um, and he had never done hosting before and he just found me on the road and I must have looked just that exhausted going up <laughs> this major steep climb out of water and um, when he invited me to his house to stay the night and not even as a host. And when I told him, oh, yeah, there's this network out there. And so he kept on taking in so many people. And here he was a sporty, outdoorsy man. But now he has a bike and he does his own bike tours. And even when he does his own bike tours, I think he still leaves his house open for warm shower hosts. I mean, that's just mm -hmm. how big of a heart he has. So, yeah. yeah, and definitely other people that have followed me and said, I've used your blog as inspiration. I've actually met people whose blog I read online on the road and said, no way I read your blog or this or that or the other. So that's what, you know, the ripple effect. But also it's like a how many degrees of separation are there when you start to right. Bike travel? Right. As we were talking about before we were recording, although our community is large, it's actually small. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. actually small. This is all so amazing. Today's episode is brought to you by BikeFlights.com, the leading bicycle shipping service and bike box supplier for cyclists. You'll enjoy low costs, excellent service, and on-time delivery with every shipment, and you get preferred handling for your high-value bikes, wheels, and gear. As a brand built around a love for the outdoors, they are committed to reducing environmental impact, and every Bike Flights shipment is carbon neutral. Join the nearly 1 million cyclists who have used bike flights to ship their bikes, wheels, and gear with confidence since 2009 and see how easy it is to book, manage, and track all of your shipments. Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers today for more information and to book your shipment. Now back to the show. Um, I know that you said you, you know, you have a family now. So tell us about how, how did you meet your husband and how, how did that unfold? 
So let's see. After that bike trip, um, I always explain this to people because although I I rode my bike alone, I never felt lonely. And I think one of the hardest parts, because everybody asks you, what's the hardest part of, you know, cycling? The hardest part for me was actually coming back and trying to fit into having more of a normal life after my trip and figuring out what that was. I remember going back into teaching. So I had, um, I'd wanted to go to a different country when I came back and I found a job in Switzerland because that's a great place to cycle and to be outdoors and to learn a new language. So I went to the French speaking part of Switzerland. And I just remember standing in front of my class thinking, what am I doing as a teacher? What am I doing in front of all of these really like privileged kids? When I've seen kids that have been walking five kilometers to school, I've seen kids in, you know, Myanmar who were having class in the, in the dark on a weekend because they were that excited and motivated to learn it you know it just changed the way that I saw teaching and, and how I delivered teaching and just how I connected to kids. Um, and so that first year was kind of like adapting to the real life again. And that second year, I had spent so much time working that, and I didn't have a family. I wasn't dating anybody. I had a hard time. I didn't even care about making friends. I had my bike and I'd just get out there and ride whenever I needed to. That was my company. I learned how to be with me, myself, and I on my world tour. So I thought, you know, I'm up for a next challenge. What is it? And one of the people that followed my um, trip who's also Warm Shower's host, and then I hosted them because they came from Spain as well, and they were slowly behind me on their trip. When they came to the United States, I hosted them, and they told me about this really crazy race that goes across Europe called the Transcontinental Race, and it's bikepacking race, and you have to be self-supported, and you have to make it through these four checkpoints. So I was like, aha, that's my next challenge. I'm always up for a good challenge, whatever it is. And so I signed up for this race because that was going to be the way that I didn't stay at work and become a workaholic. Everybody else went home to a family, kids. I had my bike and that's what I was going to do. And so I trained and I trained and I trained. And while I was training for that race, I was still kind of giving some talks about my trip and what I did at like local bike cooperatives and different um, bike festivals, traveling festivals. And that's where I met my husband. He came and listened to me to hear about my trip, but also to say, hey, I'm in that race too. And he was like this hardcore cyclist who had tried to break the Guinness Book of World Record and cycle around the world the fastest. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not fast. I'm just like, you know, I can endure. And we went out for one ride. And I remember thinking, oh, this is, I, I can't train with this guy here. He tried to push me on my bike and he goes so fast and all he cares about is speed and all the technicalities. And he tried to show me the, you know, the art and the science of a bike fit. And I thought this is never going to work, but, um, magic played its course. And, um, we ended up getting together, um, you know, with all the training that we were doing, we did the race. Um, he probably could have won the race. He got third place in the race. I won it for the women. Um, and in our celebration, well, out came our first child. So we do things kind of the non-conventional way. So this mm -hmm. is how we had our first child who was basically born out of biking and on a bike and was on a bike, um, probably for the first time in the back of a bike trailer when she was five weeks old. Um, we had wow. one of those Thule, like single bike trailers, kind of like the Burley trailer, but we could wedge and really harness in a car seat. And we had a really open-minded pediatrician that said, you know, it'd be great if you could get her in like a secure car seat. So we figured out how to get a car seat in the back of a bike. And she was doing, um, you know, Paso Jao in Italy at two months. Um, but I feel like once you do a 
um, a bike tour, right? And you realize how little you need to be happy and to live. You can do anything. And that's kind of what it's showed me. So yeah, could I take on that race and cycle across Europe, you know, 3,500 kilometers in, in nine days? Sure, why not? Um, and that was probably the best preparation along with bike touring for becoming a parent, right? I mean, a lot of similarities, a lot of similes that you could make um, between those two, having kids and and bike touring. So yeah, and now we bike I'm, as a family. I'm odd and wowed. <laughs> I, it doesn't happen very often, but I'm almost speechless. I, I want you to tell us how you transitioned into the family life. Did you stay settled in one place as a family or did you keep touring? Were you still teaching? How, like, how, did, that, how did that transition go? Yeah. And that was always like a work, you know, in progress. We were always talking about it and thinking about it um, as uh, a family and as a couple, because um, my husband, Jonas, is really into traveling. And I thought I thought it wasn't going to work at first because I thought he was all about the competition. But we had spent so much of our time cycling solo that we actually really appreciated cycling together and sharing that passion with somebody else and transmitting that to our daughters. So um, we did, we had a dream that started out of discussion that we wanted to cycle from Alaska to Ushuaia. And we just weren't sure about the timing. When do we want to do this? We were always taking little trips with our first daughter. And then we thought, well, maybe it's better to wait till she's older. So we thought, okay, we've both got good jobs. You know, now's the time to have baby number two. Let's just get this, you know, one after the other. If I can bike to her, if I can ultra cycle, I can have two in diapers. We can have two in diapers and, and, and do this. And I was an older mom with all the experience I, I had prior to having kids. So kind of needed to be done fast if we wanted to have a family. And so we had baby number two, Eileen, after Chloe, baby number one, um, 17 months after. So that's a little bit insane, too. But hey, you know, it's like getting pregnant when you're, you've got an eight month old. You think, how on earth? But, you know, how on earth did I do the other things um, or did we do those other things? So we had baby number two and thought we'll just put our world trip on hold until they're a little bit older to appreciate it. And maybe not have to do diapers along the way. And then life takes a turn, right? Just like that road that you didn't expect to go uphill downhill and um the school I was working at in Switzerland closed down while I was pregnant actually with um my second and it was actually like I look back now and I think wow I was really lucky because five months after our second was born COVID hit and I thought would I want to be in a classroom or would I want to be teaching online, nursing and having a little toddler by my feet, right? So I had the opportunity to stay at home and be with our girls. My husband was working. Um, but then what happened? Those magic five years of itchy feet. So that's when I, we started thinking, okay, should we go off on our adventure? Should we travel? What should we do? But I'd been out of the classroom enough and had done some a course in that time as well I thought oh I'd love to get back in the classroom but why don't we like choosing it you know choose another spot to try it out and let's you know look let's look for a school where I can grow professionally and that's how we um, landed in Cambodia where we thought there were lots of French speakers too because it was an old um, French colony and we landed in Cambodia and were there and soon realized that wow probably not the best we thought oh we can cycle I've cycled in Southeast Asia but we were like a circus attraction there it was and it was not 
safe necessarily to be cycling there as a family. Um, a lot of my colleagues are like, oh my gosh, I see you on your bike with your girls. And I cringe because we have this great setup where they're on this trailer called a WeHoo where one can pedal. And sometimes we stick them on this thing where they can hook their bike onto our bike. But then when we're on a calm road, never happened in Cambodia, they can be on their own. Um, so it was probably not the best of places to be as a like an avid cycling family and so we did have to quickly you know take a detour and now we find ourselves um in the netherlands um i'm at we're at a different school my husband has access to work here which is awesome and both of our girls are cyclists and we just actually did a tour last weekend a little small tour and they asked us mommy why are there so many daddy why are there so many people out on the road on bikes i mean the amount of cyclists here is insane mm -hmm. i mean it surprises us every time we're just like we're trying to teach our daughters to be independent cyclists and i've never we've never had so many people on the bike path with us at one time. I mean, we've been in countries where they have the state of the art bike paths, but no one's there. I come from Eugene, Oregon. There's bike paths everywhere. And there's nowhere near as many people as there are here in the Netherlands on, on the bike path. So it's, it's, it's a good fit for a personal interest, right? And um, I feel like we've mm -hmm. made a better match to satisfy your family. Yeah, that's fascinating. And so what's next? Yeah, what's next? <laughs> I think we just you know, need... <laughs> I mean, okay, wait, you might have a few years until the five-year itchy yeah. feet mark comes. But exactly. in the meantime, um, other than like small trips, I'm assuming right. you're going to continue doing small trips, but is there another big one in, in the plans? I think that is our dream still too. We haven't talked about it. We've just had so much else on our minds recently. I think that's still our dream um, to go back to... Um, to, to do a trip like that. We both have, my husband's a woodworker, so he has no problem kind of like finding jobs because everybody's in need of someone to remodel, to build, to install, to make furniture. I'm a teacher. Like I said, we can find a job anywhere. Our girls, we're trying to teach them that we, you know, adapt to new environments. We're flexible. We saw that this summer after staying with um, Warm Shower Host, actually, we'd stayed with a few our first time as a family and had great experiences. But our girls, once we got home to Oregon and we went over to friends for breakfast, my youngest said to me when we were at their house, mommy, are we going to stay the night with these people tonight? And I thought, oh my gosh, she's got it. She's got that flexible, adaptable, malleable mind. So I do think that we would love to do mm -hmm. a tour as a family, something like Alaska to Ushuaia. The only thing that we're not super excited with on that trip is the food because we've heard kind of horror stories about access to food in Argentina. I know it's not all about the food, but wow, the amount you eat as a family and all the gear that you take as a family. I think we need to wait until they're a little bit more independent because right now we still carry everything, even though they can pedal bikes, but we're carrying the majority of the load. And so I think that we need to wait till they can chip in a little bit more with that in order to do a big trip where you really do need to logistically plan. But yeah, I do mm -hmm. think that every summer we've got a bike trip in there. We did an awesome trip in Eastern Oregon this last summer. And just, I mean, we were mind blown by the gorgeous scenery and had warm shower hosts in the middle of nowhere. Um, and just great experiences that we think, okay, yeah, we can do this. It's definitely an effort, you know, it changes your definition of vacation when you travel like that. Um, but definitely worth the, the effort to do that as a family. It's so much fun. I mean, Melissa, you are such a wealth of experience. This is what I mean. Like we, we could, we could, there's, there's like any number of 20 topics here we could spend more time talking about. 
but I really appreciate it. You are, it's, it's so inspiring your willingness to try and that you've adapted into new phases of life and still kept your passion alive and still continue to challenge yourself to try something new. I, I think that that it's just, it's so common in this community because the challenge, um, that you might face makes a lot of things in life a lot easier. And I, I really, really, really love hearing that you ride with your daughters now. This is so amazing. Um, okay. Where can our listeners find more information or find your journey? So we'll put your website, of course, in the show notes. Are there any social media places that you post information where people can follow along? Yeah. So the best now, and this is such awful timing, but you know, I had my website alive for 10 years. Um, oh, and I finally no. thought, Oh, but I do the best of the, the website was my blog. And so it's still on blogger the long way home. And I can send that to you. So you can put it in the show notes and just directly go to my blog. Um, I also have a Facebook page, the long way home. I need to get better at that. But yeah, I've, as you know, with little kids, my energy's kind of all been to being a mom, then, you know, being a, mm-hmm. a wife, being a teacher. Um, so I, I put that a little bit on the back burner. Um, but yeah, there's definitely all the stories on my blog. You know, my dream is still also another dream of mine is to write a book. Um, I already have the title. I've just, you know, and everybody says it's in your blog, just read, you know, like spice up your stories, redo those, reread them. And there's your, there's your book. That's my dream. But for now, definitely on blogger, I'll get that in for you. Um, or Facebook, social, um, social media. I was on Instagram as well, had albums on Flickr. Feels like a lifetime ago, but but it's all yes. still there except for the ones you have to pay for. <laughs> right. I was going to say, I haven't heard the words flicker in a long time, but boy, <laughs> that used to be the thing. <laughs> yeah, in a YouTube well, thank- channel. Yes, yeah. right. Thank you, Melissa. I know so many people that are going to be inspired by your story and I can pretty much guarantee people will want to reach out and maybe have questions for you on on the different ways that you've transitioned your passions. Um, so we'll include all of that in the show notes, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. Keep us posted. You know, we love to hear how things go along the way. Sounds good. No, thank you, because I love how you bring the stories alive. It's fascinating um, listening and entertaining listening to your podcast. And I've actually recognized a lot of the guests that you have on your podcast is, oh, I know this person. Oh, I, I've heard of this great? person. It's just such a small <laughs> world. It is. It's so great. I love it. I love when those connections happen on the show too, especially Murdoch. I mean, that's just oh wonderful. Gosh, yeah. we, we will make sure that he has a copy of this show. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks, Melissa. And for those of you listening, if you are listening on any listening app, make sure you give us a rating and review. If you are here on YouTube, hey, make sure that you subscribe so you can catch all the episodes when they come live. And we will be back. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Wherever you are listening, please leave us a rating and a review as it helps us reach more cyclists and hosts around the world. Visit us at warmshowers.org to become a part of our community or on Instagram at warmshowers underscore org. If you would like to be a guest on the show or submit a question, please make sure to email us at podcast at warmshowers.org.